Hi, welcome to Meditate Awake. I'm Eric. Glad you joined. Today's segment is a time saver for you. I am bringing you once a week my favorite passages from books that have changed my life, that have challenged or influenced and shaped my thinking uh, for the better. So I'm going to bring you those every week. And it's a way to introduce you, hopefully, to some you know, interesting and engaging thought uh, concepts and reading. And if you would like to pick up that book and, and or listen to it on an audio book, then great. Or just enjoy the passage as it is. Uh, but it's a way to save you time. And, you know, I've read a lot of books, so I have a lot to choose from. And it's my pleasure to bring to you today one of my favorite authors, Adi Ashanti. And that's spelled A-D-Y-A-S-H-A-N-T-I. And he's somebody who began teaching in 1996 at the request of his Zen teacher, who he had for 14 years. And he is sometimes compared to some of the early Zen masters of China. And his books include Emptiness Dancing, The End of Your World, and True Meditation. So I'm going to read a section from his book, Falling into Grace, The Insights on the End of Suffering. And today's passage is from page 51. And it's entitled, The Awakening from the Egoic Trance. I hope you enjoy. Talk to you soon. Awakening from the Egoic Trance. If we really want to address the whole issue of suffering, as well as our desire and yearning for freedom, love, and connection, then we need to learn to look clearly at our own minds. As we've seen, when we begin to look into the nature of our mind and at the thinking process itself, we see how thinking creates this sense of separation and isolation. Through careful inquiry, we discover that the process of identification, the root of our suffering, begins with the rudimentary structure of thought itself. Thought is symbolic. A thought isn't a thing. It has no reality. It is only an abstraction. A thought is, at best, a description of something we take in with our senses. And yet, from a very young age, we're taught that we are what we think about ourselves. But there's another layer to this, and that is we tend to believe that we are what others think about us. We derive our view of ourselves from our parents, our friends, our community, our sisters, our teachers, our brothers, from everybody who gives us feedback about ourselves. The difficulty of this and the problem with it is that our images we have are often in conflict because the perceptions and thoughts that others have about us don't always agree with one another. At one moment, we have an image of ourselves as being a worthy, loving, and happy person. But within minutes or an hour, our image of ourselves can change quite drastically. All of a sudden, we may decide that we're a terrible person because someone was critical of us. Someone said something unkind or told us that we weren't really worth anything or they didn't like us anymore. The idea we have of ourselves is something that makes us feel very insecure because it can change so quickly and often at the hands of another. And so we suffer because someone's opinion of us can so easily trigger anger, sadness, even depression. Our sense of self is very ephemeral. 
It's not as solid as we imagine it to be. And the confusion around it is one of the greatest causes of human suffering there is. To address the dilemma of human suffering, we need to look even more closely at the way our minds create this shifting sense of who we are. The very idea that we may not be who we think we are, for many people, is quite revolutionary. This discovery, naturally, gives rise to the larger question, is our mind who we are? Are we actually able to be identified by, described by, and defined by the thought in our mind? When we begin to look at our experience clearly, we'll see that there are at least two phenomena going on. One is the movement of the mind including all of the descriptions, self-images, ideas, beliefs, and opinions that arise moment to moment. The other phenomenon is the awareness of the mind. Very rarely do we take into account the awareness of the mind, the space in which mind arises and subsides. Mind has a very powerful ability to put awareness into a trance. Very quickly, we find ourselves lost in that trance. This trance is precisely what we've been calling egoic consciousness, the creation of our belief in who we are, which forms the very structure of ego. Ego is nothing more than the beliefs, ideas, and images we have about ourselves. And so it is actually something completely imaginary. This is ironic because we think that if we control our minds in a certain way, then peace, rest, and freedom will be ours. We think that it is simply a matter of coming up with the right thoughts, the right ideas, the right beliefs. Then we'll find the key to peace, and from there, we will all begin to get along with each other. But our history shows us, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of years of history, that our ideas haven't saved us. Our ideas haven't saved us from our own anger, bitterness, and violence. They haven't saved us from wars and famine and destruction. If our history has shown us anything, the history of thought, the history of ideas, it's that thought can't save humanity, that thought can't save the world, that it's going to take something other than even the greatest ideas that we can imagine. Instead, we must start with our own minds, because if we don't start with ourselves, then our mind is just going to keep projecting itself into the way we view life and will be lost within another dream, another trance. Thanks for listening today to today's time-saving top pick, the passage from Adi Ashanti's Falling into Grace. I hope you enjoyed He's one of my favorite authors, and I look forward to bringing you more top picks to save you time and expand your mind. Until next time, take care of yourself.